this morning we're going to turn in the word of God to the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1. And we're going to read just one verse. And we trust the Lord will bless it. Isaiah chapter 1. A very familiar verse, one that perhaps maybe some of you have even memorized. Isaiah chapter 1. In verse 18, we read, Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. May the Lord add his blessing to his word for Jesus' sake. I want us to think on what we're going to consider as the answer to the question, why does God say scarlet? Why does God say scarlet? Well, may the Lord help us as we consider these things. Before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us for Jesus' sake. Lord in heaven, now I would pray that you will let us know the helping of the Spirit of God. We pray that you will let us know the directing and the quickening of our minds and hearts by that same Spirit. We pray that you will use the word amongst us today. And we pray that you will meet with us. We pray that your voice truly would be heard, that we would hear the voice of the shepherd today speaking to us the truth of God that which is truly a feast for us. Lord, I pray for the help of the Lord my God as I would stand here and speak of Christ. We pray that you will direct and help and hide behind the cross. Lord, I pray that you'll bless us now for Jesus' sake. Amen. In the hymn that we sang at the beginning of our service this morning, we read the words of Jonathan Evans, who started that hymn with the words, Hark! The voice of love and mercy sounds aloud from Calvary. In this hymn, Evans points to the words, It is finished, as the powerful declaration of the success Again, I want you to keep that in mind. The success of the Lord's atoning work. The great glory of Calvary is not that the Lord Jesus was made a substitutionary sacrifice for sin, but rather that He was made a successful substitutionary sacrifice for sin. He set out to put sin away. And he did that very thing. His was not a halfway work that allowed men a means to wash themselves. He did not leave some part of his work to the hands of men to be applied by some ceremony or ritual. He put away sin, then said, It is finished. 
beyond that, the glory is also seen in the fact that he put away sin that was irremovable. That's a big word. Irremovable means it can't be taken away. Our sin could not be taken away, but the Lord Jesus did take it away. He put from the memory of God sin that was unforgettable. Now that seems doesn't make much sense. That which cannot be forgotten was forgotten. He lifted the stain of sin that was indelible, meaning it can't be washed off. When Christ put away sin, it was the putting away of that which could not be put away. Now, do you think about that? The Lord Jesus put away that which could not be put away. Now, coming back to our thought about what was said at Calvary, or perhaps what was an invitation, though not voiced in literal terms, we have a call of God to look at Calvary and see the subject of Isaiah 1.18 fully explained and expounded. What's the Lord say? Come, let us reason together. That which cannot be put away will be put away. You might say in your mind, that's something I can't reason on. Ah, but you can. Come, let us reason together. What a call is this. What a light for us in darkness. What a cure is in those words. What a release from the shackles of wayward ignorance. We are invited of God to come and reason with him on the subject of Christ putting away that which could not be put away. You see, that is the message of the verse that we're taking this morning. The imagery is of a scarlet or crimson stain which cannot be removed is so utterly and completely removed as to leave the sinner white as snow. You see, what happened when the Lord Jesus died on Calvary was not just that the Lord Jesus was successful in paying a legal and punitive payment for sin. Was that true? Did he do that? Yes. But he was successful in performing a miracle of the greatest sort. Christ makes sinners clean. You know, perhaps if you think on that, if you reason on that, if you do what God tells you, let us reason together on this subject, you'll Come to see the wonder more of words such as Hebrews 7 and 25 where it says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. Or he's able to clean them to the uttermost. That come to God by him. That says he cleans them to an infinitely pure whiteness. 
that is as his own. Whiteness. Does that make sense? You who are filthy, completely overwhelmed with sin, are so cleaned by the righteous sacrifice of Christ that you are made infinitely pure as he is infinitely pure. Not because of what you've done or anything that has to do with you or as that is in you. It's only because you are now made the righteousness of God in him. Now, the words that I'm going to speak this morning are not only words that are very applicable to a beleaguered sinner, but this truth will prove to be a lifter of the burden from every heart, whether saint or sinner. So I want us to think on this. And again, my subject is this. We have in this verse God's invitation and more God's instruction to consider the absolutely successful undoing of all that sin stains by the work of the Lord Jesus at Calvary. You come, you think, you consider, indeed God is telling you to do this, let's reason together about what the Lord Jesus did at Calvary that makes you so white before the eyes of God without sin that you can live with Him perfectly, joyously, holily, forever. Now, with that as our subject, I want to turn our attention to the color that the Lord chooses to use in His description of our sin. This color is not insignificant. Now, you and I, when we think about sin, might think that our sin is a dark and black thing. Maybe our sin is as black as coal. Well, I suppose in some ways you'd have to say there is darkness about it. It is black. And that it is accumulation of all the different things that are pollution from sin. In fact, we might not even go further than that. We might consider the statement of the Lord in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 1, where it says to the people that from the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in them but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. You might think then that, well, really sin, if you're going to give it a color, might be the putrefying color of a gangrenous wound. Or maybe we would think of sin as the yellow of the impurities of a great sore. I suppose there's a way and you can consider all of those things. The Lord, however, speaks of sin and our iniquities being in the color as scarlet or of a deep red crimson. That's why, that's a color that God uses. Now that is very meaningful and it would do us well to reason with the Lord on this picture. And so let us ask ourselves, why would the Lord want us to consider our sins as scarlet and how does that relate to the work of the Lord Jesus on Calvary? Well, 
I have some very simple things I want to present to you today. The first I want you to see with me is this. That this color speaks of the indelible nature of sin. Indelible meaning it cannot be removed. You cannot change it. Now, have any of you ever had the opportunity of seeing what happens when you wash a white sock with a red sweatshirt? And you say, well, I, I, I've seen, you know, and if you do it just right in a, a certain temperature of water, nothing, well, no, even then. Do you know what happens? Does anybody here know what happens when you wash a white sock with a red sweatshirt? Is the sock white anymore? No. And if you take that sock and you say, well, I'll just wash it again, does the change to the sock come out? No. If you wash a white sock with a red sweatshirt, your sock is going to be, well, it may not be red, maybe sort of pinkish looking, but you can wash it any number of times you want to after that. It will not change. You know, it's the same with sin. When sin stains you, that sin stain doesn't come out. It is, again, that big long word, indelible. It cannot be removed. The change is permanent. In other words, the point is, you will forever, like the sock, show the marks of meeting up with something that stains you and this cannot be changed and I would suggest to you that this is exactly the reason why the Lord is asking for this to be the key thought of our text and that we are to reason on this though your sins be as scarlet now we're not talking about a faded sock who may be somewhat pinkish we're talking about something that is deep deep scarlet though your sins be like that They can be made clean. So the Lord says, let's reason about this. Well, you might respond, well, wait a minute, what's, what's there to reason about? If you've got, a, a, like the sock, if you've got something that's not changeable, what's to reason? There's nothing that can be done. But I want you to see the miraculous here. There's the point. The Lord wants to us to reason about the hopelessness of our sin, but also to realize what is needed to take away sin. And that is a power that is wholly unknown to man. What it takes to make you white, what it would take to make that sock purely white again, is something that no man knows how to do. It has nothing to do with man's thoughts or his ingenuity. Now you may be here and you look at your sin and you are sure of the permanent nature of sin. But sin is your undoing. Let me tell you what. If you sit before God and you look at yourself and you look and say, my sin is not able to be taken away by anything that I know. You're reasoning right. You're thinking right. That is right. You're not being somebody who is, well, you're just off. You're 
You're thinking, no. No, that is quite correct. You cannot change anything. You, you cannot hide sin and you cannot cover it. You are to reason, though, now, the Lord says. Now think, 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 consider. The message of God is that the sin will be turned to purity. You will wear the garments of salvation which are white. Well, how can this be? How can this be? Here's the point. Consider what the Lord Jesus does at the cross. He does not leave undone anything short of utter cleansing. His blood reaches deeper than the stain goes. The power of His blood goes deeper. I would suggest to you that your sin stain is lifted from you and is put upon the Lord Jesus. Do you know when the Lord Jesus was on the cross, He took all the stains of all His people and took them to Himself, lifted theirs entirely, and made Himself before the eyes of God unchangeably, as it were, sin. He makes you white by taking from you that which cannot be taken away. Again, that doesn't seem to make sense, but it is the absolute truth. He takes away from you that which cannot be taken away because He is God. And none but God could do this. People would argue, how do you know that Jesus was God? Because He did what only God could do. I want you to see the second thing about this. Why would God use the word scarlet? Well, this also speaks of the unhideable nature of sin. Do you know that the word unhideable is not a word? But sometimes you will find that preachers, because they have an idea that they want to relate to you in a certain way, will conjure up a word that you understand and can use, but although it's not a word. But the word unhideable, do you know what I mean when I say it's unhideable? Do you know what that means? Everybody says, yes, I understand. Okay, so it's a perfectly good word. What's one thing about scarlet? It is unhideable. It's something actually, quite frankly, that your eyes are drawn to right away. You know, if you're trying to attract a hummingbird to come to your house, what color do you make the hummingbirds, hummingbird food, so to speak? What are hummingbirds attracted to? Well, they have an eye for that which is scarlet red. And the brighter the red, the more attractive it is to the hummingbird. If you were to, now I've never tried this, so I'm not speaking out of personal experience, but if you were ever to hold out something red off to the side and wave it in front of a bull, what's going to happen? Well, you say, well, I've seen it on TV. Or the bull charges that which is red. And yes, he charges red. He doesn't charge you. You're standing there. But he charges that which it has got red in his eyes, so to speak. My point to you is this. The truth about that is, is applied to sin as well. It cannot be hid. And though men try to hide it by either denying or creating some pretense to say that sin is not sin. It's something else. 
is healthy. That's what's being said today. Sin is healthy. Righteousness is that which is the danger. I will say this. The honest and helpable man will say otherwise. David in Psalm 51 makes a statement. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. What's David saying? You can't hide it. You can't hide sin. Sin cannot be hid. It will find its way out. And it will be glaringly noticeable. But the greater truth is no matter what we say about sin, sin is always open and noticeable, not so much before our eyes, but before the eyes of God. God cannot but see sin. Psalm 69, verse 5, O God, Thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from Thee. Sin is unhideable. But what is of the greatest comfort is that though this cannot change, your sins, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to His cross. And as the hymn writer says, And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. The truth that we're dealing with here, that God would have you to reason, is that God sees your sins. Every bit of it. Every bit of your sin, from conception of sin to the motive, to the attendant workings, to the commitment of sin. All the things that have to do with sin. And again, keep in mind, your sin is not one-dimensional. You don't have just a one little thing that you've done that stands by itself as the only offense. You know that sin also has a hundred thousand, whatever other little wrinkles to it that brought you to that place where you committed something? But God sees all of that. You in your mind don't even even realize that. But here we have it, that our sins were laid on Jesus. All of our unhideable sins are also unhideably displayed before the eyes of heaven and being laid on Christ. You know, when men were there before the cross at Calvary that day, they saw the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. But I would say that few, if any, though the scriptures said so plainly in Isaiah 53, they did not see what God saw. Do you understand that? What men saw at Calvary is not what God saw. Men's eyes were blinded. Even the ones that were the closest to the Lord Jesus didn't understand fully what was going on there. You say, how do you know? Because there were some who testified later as they met the Lord Jesus on the road to Emmaus that they didn't understand what it was all about. And the Lord had to begin at, the, at Moses and preach to them why Christ had to suffer. They didn't understand. Certainly the Pharisees and those that were around didn't understand. The Roman soldiers didn't understand. I would say that fully the thief on the cross who asked the Lord for mercy perhaps didn't understand it all himself. But he knew that his hope was in Christ. The 
God saw it. God saw what happened that day, and that is that your sins and my sins, unhideable as they are, were laying on Christ Jesus. Oh, understand, I want to say this as a side note, understand, your sin cannot be hidden. You may think it is. You may think that because others don't see it, because others don't notice it, like those that were before the cross that day didn't know when it was going on, even though Christ was being made the embodiment of sin, they didn't understand. You may think that as long as men don't see what you do, that there's no sin for you to have to answer for. Understand this. God does not see as you see. Your sin cannot be hidden. It will find you out. But for the child of God, there is the truth that your sin was on full display and noticeable as scarlet before the eyes of God. Christ was made scarlet in the eyes of God. So, again, I would just paraphrase our text. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are unhideable, they will be lifted and you will be as white as snow. So I suggest as you're reasoning, see the matter as God sees it. Turn from sin to faith. Be made white. And let me just also exclaim this. Calvary teaches us that Christ did not just cover sin. He bore it and took it away. He took it away. So, I want to go to the third thought. And that is that this word speaks of the shameful nature of sin. It speaks of the shameful nature of sin. The color scarlet has been associated with shameful sin that has an ongoing and unforgettable consequence. The imagery has been used throughout history as a sign of great shame and of the ruin of name and reputation. Mankind strives to remove shame from sin. And though men can agree that sin is no longer shameful, it is impossible to do away with shame. Shame is embedded in sin. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2, When pride or sin cometh, then cometh shame. You can't take shame away from sin. And I want you to understand with me, the Lord Jesus on Calvary was not only shamefully treated. He was on Calvary the embodiment of shame. Now you may not say, well, men didn't discern it. Yes, we're taking men out of the equation. What men understood about Calvary is minimal. Christ, before the eyes of God, was made shame. All your shame. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever been ashamed of your sin? 
Now that's a question that today more and more is becoming one that men will answer no. I'm asking you to be honest. Have you ever been ashamed of sin? Have you ever been ashamed of what you become or what you did? What you said? What you thought? How you acted? What you did before God? Have you ever been ashamed of it? Here again is what the Lord is saying. Come, let us reason together. Though your sin be as shame, working its cancerous effect in your heart, you will be as white as snow. Why? Because Christ Jesus took all sin and everything that has to do with sin and as I just said is embedded in sin he took all of it and wrapped it up in his own divine arms and held it close to himself and then exclaimed it is finished this is not only paid for but this now is taken away let's reason about this let's think about this you every one of you think about this that which has to do with your sin. Christ Jesus has taken to himself at Calvary. He has been made that which is sin. He has been made that which is a natural effect of sin. It's all been laid on him. And if the Son make you free, you're free indeed. Why? Because now he has left nothing more for you but to be white as snow. Well, my last thought. The Lord uses the word scarlet or crimson because this speaks of the painful nature of sin, the indelible nature of sin. is the first thought we have. And then there's the unhideable. And then you have also the shameful nature of sin. Now, the painful nature of sin. You know, scarlet and crimson is that color that is the color of blood. Now, I ask a question. How do you ever see blood? What has to happen? When do you see blood? Well, you think about it with me. Let's reason together. Blood is seen when there is injury, when there is harm, when there is wounding and pain. Does your sin bring you pain? Does the matter of your sin bring about anguish and suffering? Here's the point. The Lord Jesus was to be the one who received and bore all the pain that sin could bring. Not from the heart of men, but also from the heart of God. 
Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Christ was made to suffer. And I suggest to you that there is no pain known to the existence of mankind that was greater than the pain that Christ Jesus suffered. Not just from the wounds that he, that he had, but rather from what was laid upon him. The pain of sin. And so I say to you this morning, see the scarlet on the Son of God. See the scarlet on the Son of God. See the scarlet from the drops that fell in Gethsemane's garden to the scourging by the Romans. See the scarlet of the thorn wounds on his brow. See the scarlet with which he was clothed. Matthew 27 and verse 28, they put upon him a scarlet robe. Or as a hymn writer goes on to say, five bleeding wounds he bore, received at Calvary. Christ Jesus was made scarlet. Christ Jesus was made the receiver, the bearer, and the taker away not only of the pollution and the penalty of sin, but also the pain of sin. So that the, the words that the Lord would speak to you is that you are to reason on this. Think on this. Christ has been made scarlet for those that he atoned for. He came forth from the grave. He succeeded in putting scarlet away. All the aspects of it. And here's the power and the work that the Lord calls us to reason on. What is sin doing to you? What, is, what has it done to you? What God is saying in this verse, come. Come, let's, let's think. Let's reason together. You have this condition, this situation, which before the eyes of God and before your own heart is unchangeable. It cannot be lifted. It cannot be put it away. But I will put it away through the work of the Lord Jesus if you will but receive what is offered in the gospel. You think about that now here's the other part of this if you are somebody who believes on the Lord Jesus and you are suffering in whatever way there is to suffer particularly if you can trace it back to your own unbelief your doubt your lack of faith your sinful heart the invitation is just the same come let's sit down and reason you have this that you're struggling with it can be made as white as snow this is not something that the Lord will say well maybe or under certain circumstances why 
because the work of Christ is final. It is finished. It is undoable. It has succeeded. Will you reason with God? Will you reason with God? May the Lord bless his word to us today for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Father in heaven, now we pray that you will let the word of God be that which is used in our hearts. We pray that you will let us be those who hear and give ear and take heed. Lord, I pray that you will bless now by continuing to speak to us through the Spirit's power. We pray in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen.